Welcome to Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedoms with George Christensen. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing, for they might not choose socialism. We cannot afford to be so politically correct anymore. Conservative wine. G'day, I'm George Christensen, your host here at Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedom. And I'm joined by a great guy tonight, a man that I've uh, come to know through a series of events in my work with the Parliament. His name is John Shipton, and his son is someone who you would all know, Mr Julian Assange, someone at the moment who is languishing in a jail cell over in the United Kingdom, someone who is an Australian citizen, and yet he's in that foreign jail cell awaiting extradition in a foreign court to be sent to another foreign nation, perhaps if the extradition order is uh, upheld, and what he's going to face charges for in the United States is charges relating to the reporting of information. Julian Assange is an online journalist. Uh, He exposed war crimes associated with the Iraq war. He went on to do a lot more than that. It was his actions in uh, through WikiLeaks, the online journal that he set up to expose deep, dark secrets of governments and very important people that led to a whole heap of files being released publicly from the Clinton campaign uh, and one of her offsiders, uh, John Podesta. And the rest was history, as the uh, last US election showed. But there's been a bit of a vendetta against Julian Assange for a long, long time. A bit of a vendetta is an understatement. A lot of a vendetta. What has happened, he's hounded with trumped-up charges uh, in Sweden, which were found to be trumped-up, that were just simply about getting him somewhere so he could be extradited. He uh, escaped that situation by seeking asylum in an embassy in the UK. You all know the story. It was the Ecuadorian embassy. He was there for a hell of a long time before he was dragged out quite disgracefully, then locked up. He's actually locked up now without any conviction. There is no conviction. In fact, there is no charges in the UK against him. The charges are in the US. So right now he's an innocent man. He's our man. He's an Aussie, as I say, in a foreign jail cell, awaiting extradition in a foreign court to a foreign country where he potentially faces charges. What's worse with these charges is that while it is relating to reporting the information, that the allegations that are made are pretty nefarious. They're about hacking, apparently. They're about espionage, apparently, and a whole heap of other things. The issue is he was not in the United States to actually commit the crime. And I guess that this is one of the fundamental reasons why I'm very passionate about the Assange situation is it goes to sovereignty. Are the laws of a foreign country, whether it's the United States, communist China, or anywhere else, are they to apply to citizens right around the world who aren't even resident in that country? It's a very, very dangerous situation. So I'm glad that you're joining me, uh, Mr. John Shipton, to have a talk about your son's situation. First, can I say my, my sympathies for uh, the personal struggle that you're engaged in, 
how are you going at the moment? Yeah, well, thank you, George. Good to uh, uh, speak to you again and uh, for support uh, is heartening and allowed me to um, gather the strength to carry on. It's great. Myself, uh, I just uh, wander around the world, as you know, uh, wherever I can get a, an audience or access to parliamentarians uh, to advocate on Julian's behalf. Your two points uh, really resonate strongly with me. One is that Julian is a citizen of Australia. His parents are citizens of Australia. His grandparents fought in the Second World War, so we've mm. uh, attached ourselves to Australia from top to bottom. So mm. the citizenship, defending a citizen of Australia against just arbitrary attacks is state-forming power. It, mm. it binds the citizenry together and the uh, governments or institutions of governments, not the present government, institutions of government don't feel that this is a state-forming responsibility. Mm -hmm. It is a worry to me anyway. Well, well, it's a, it's a, it is a worry, as I said, the fact that there are charges in the United States, and quite frankly, I couldn't care which country it was, but it just happens to be, in this case, the United States, that are against your son, Julian Assange, and uh, the allegations are, are, are quite broad, but really what it relates to is that he published information that the government of that country didn't like published, and that's, that's the crux of the matter. There was no hacking. He didn't uh, tap into any computer or anything like that. Someone gave him uh, the information, which he then published on a website. He was not a citizen of the United States. He was not present in the United States when that alleged crime of reporting this leaked information occurred, and yet he's subject to their laws. That is just the most alarming thing in terms of sovereignty. I mean, I've said a lot of uh, pretty bad stuff about communist China. Uh, I'm sure that that's breaking a lot of the laws that are in that country. I'd be horrified, as would most other people, if suddenly there was attempts to uh, uh, to extradite people to go and face the music in China about breaking the laws of China. And it just goes to the heart of sovereignty, as far as I'm concerned, that Either you are subject to the laws of in which in the country that you are the citizen of or the country in which you're residing, or we've somehow got some countries that have supranational laws. They've got international jurisdiction on their laws, and that's just wrong. It can't happen. This extraterritorial pursuit of... Uh, yeah. Is, uh, ...seems to be a foreign policy of the United States at the present uh, and invented under the uh, Obama regime progressively right around the world. The extradition uh, treaties were rewritten with allies to the great advantage of the United States. I note that in every treaty that the United States has written, people cannot be extradited from the United States for political purposes. Mm-hmm. And yet that's not in our side of the treaty. 
uh, this is a flaw that has to be attended to. Yeah, well, it certainly certainly is. Now, um, you know, it's it's interesting that the Assange case, um, at least in Australia, is seen to be one that is a left-wing issue. That's how it's almost uh, stylized in the media and amongst political circles. I find that very disheartening and dispiriting, actually. There are many strong conservatives who are in support of Julian Assange. I know one of them being former US presidential candidate Ron Paul, uh, who was a congressman from Texas in the Republican Party. Of course, there's uh, there's me and there's others like Barnaby Joyce in Australia, and I even understand uh, there's some Tory MPs over in the UK. I think Dave, David Davis was, David Davies, I think was one of those that uh, was mentioned to me. Uh, but there's something I I said uh, when I met you, when I saw you, I think I was at a press conference with you over in the United Kingdom, actually, and I made mention of the fact that I, uh, I'm a Trump fan, I'm a Boris Johnson fan, but actually I'm a bigger fan as a conservative of free speech and freedom of the press. And this whole case strikes at the very heart of that, doesn't it, John? Yes, uh, um, I don't know why it's uh, couched as a, uh, a left-right issue. It certainly falls right into the conservative mould in as much as uh, defending uh, Australians and defending ex- and defending sovereignty and uh, resisting extraterritorial application of another yeah. state's laws. And We're supposed to hate big government too, as conservatives. We hate big government. <laughs> and free, free, free speech or freedom of the press Absolutely. to print stuff that we can discuss amongst ourselves. I don't see that as a left-wing issue either. Um, I could be mistaken, but they all seem to be solid, centre, important issues for all people who who are well your supporters, it yeah, seems uh, to me. And uh, stuff that um, generations past, freedoms that generations past actually fought for, including, as I've just found out today, Julian's, um, is it grandparents? The, both, the grandparents? Sides, yeah. Uh, yeah, both sides were grandparents. Uh, my father was uh, in North Africa and on Kokoda. Yeah, wow. wow. This is, this is uh, you know, people... Uh, giving up their youth and their lives for t- for the, to defend our sovereignty and the qualities and characteristics of our democracy, which depend upon us being able to have these sort of conversations. That yeah. is free speech. Not yeah. hard issues, George, I don't think. You That's know. right. You're right. I want to clear up something because the one thing, and it is a very, very big untruth that's out there, a lie that's out there, uh, that Julian hacked. He hacked into the US and stole information. There's many people out there that are under that misapprehension, and I think there are a lot of people from all walks of life, but on the right actually, who who say, oh, well, he committed the crime. But actually, no, there hasn't been no proof of that. He's an innocent man. He's um, has not been convicted on anything. Talk me through uh, the the argument ar- around and against the hacking claim. Well, the, Chelsea Manning uh, downloaded onto 
Uh, she, she was a U.S. intelligence yes. officer, is that right? Yes. Yes, U.S. intelligence officer based in Qatar. She downloaded all of the information that Julian is charged with under the 1917 Espionage Act in the United States. So Chelsea took it all, mm. sent it to Julian, and then Julian handed it to the New York Times, the Guardian, the Spiegel, Le Mans, and El Pay, and of course, uh, our, our newspapers here. And they all published it? They all published it before WikiLeaks. Bizarre. So, isn't Ab it weird? Absolutely bizarre. So that's the reality. If, if people believe that um, for handing over secret information that um, exposes war crimes should be an illegal act, then I guess that the only person who committed a crime, in inverted commas there, is Chelsea Manning. To, to receive the information as a journalist, uh, that is just par for the course. That happens every day. And as you've said, uh, other newspapers then received that information, other periodicals, and published it all the way around the world, including Australian newspapers. Uh, well, Why do you... Sorry, you, go on. You, no, you, you go on. You go on, John. Uh, just, uh, um, just uh, on the point of uh, publishing in Australia, the Australian commentary on the Iraq war files, the Afghan war logs and the cables was second to none. Our commentary in the newspapers by our journalists was first class. So we uh, in a position to be proud of our journalists, proud of our publishers, and proud of Julian. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't see any reason why, I cannot see any reason why the centre and the left and the right would not put their strength to ensure that Julian comes home to receive the accolades that uh, he deserves. I can't mm -hmm. see it myself. Well, you know, I, I get a feeling around all of that that because it was a war that was highly partisan in itself, uh, obviously, um, well, supported by some Democrats in the US like Hillary Clinton, but uh, opposed by, by others. It was a war that was um, that George Bush and the neoconservatives and the Bush administration really fought long and hard for and one that Australia supported, I guess, uh, invoking the ANZUS alliance. And, and there was a lot of partisanship over that in Australia. That's probably part of the reason why there is that split. But I, I can tell you right now that I was someone who was very young at the time when the Iraq war happened, uh, a uh, I think a teenager. No, I was in my early 20s. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to lie about my age there, John, but I was in my early 20s. And uh, because I was a partisan, because I was a member of the uh, National Party in Queensland, I was supportive of the Iraq war. I look back on it now and just think, what a terrible thing to have been involved in. There was no, there really, uh, there was no reason that the Iraq war happened, but there were certainly atrocities out of it. And, and your son helped expose that. And, uh, you know, whether they're our guys, their guys, whatever, if there's a war crime that goes on, it needs to be exposed and it needs to be, uh, the people involved need to be held to account. 
Islamophobia hasn't killed anyone. Uh, Islamist terrorism has now killed tens of thousands of people. Conservative wine. What I want to uh, uh, to move on to, John, is the the trumped up charges uh, that were against Julian in in Sweden, because there are a lot of people, again, probably on the left, who were poisoned by that argument. Uh, they there was fake allegations about sex offences that Julian denied for a very, very long time, and to this day he denied, and in fact those those charges have miraculously disappeared. Tell us about the fraudulent nature of those charges, John. Well, there's in uh, Sweden at the moment, there's uh, an investigation of the circumstances of Julian's pursuit by the Swedish prosecuting authorities. So they they uh, have begun to agitate for the examination of their own procedures there. That's mm-hmm. one. The next is that it was over nine years, for God's sake, four <laughs> prosecutors. The, the allegations dropped three times and then finally dropped. Two of the allegations expired on time. There's a specific requirement for the prosecutors of the Crown Prosecuting Authority in Sweden, a specific requirement to advance the case. Mm -hmm. They did nothing. In 2013, they wrote to the Crown Prosecuting Service in the United Kingdom saying, 2013, we want out of this. We can't go anywhere with this. We want to drop it. Didn't one of the the complainants drop their case almost immediately? Immediately. Walked out the door and said, I don't want to do this. Uh, But the big scandal, of course, is that the case was reopened by another prosecutor. And to do that, you need fresh evidence. So some false fabricated evidence appeared from under the table and enabled the reopening of the case. It's just scandal after scandal. Well, it is scandal after scandal. And uh, uh, I won't go too far into this, but I note that there uh, are concerns about the judge that that ultimately is presiding over the extradition hearing and links that her husband has to um, the US uh, defence system. Do you want to just touch on that for a moment? Uh, well, it's a bit um, invidious, you know. I don't like accusing our government and I don't like accusing the judges because I want things from them. So, uh, you know, I can't, uh, okay. we I won't, can't bag the judge and I won't bag. We won't, we won't go into that, but I, I, I just uh, point that out to people. You can go and have a look at that information on the net. There is uh, information about the... Uh, presiding judge in the extradition hearing. So um, what do you think is ultimately going to happen here in Julian's situation, John? What do you think is the future? Well, yourself and Andrew have coalesced coalesced a group of people, but, but more to say an understanding of what, has unfolded in the case and persecution of Julian is has now spread through Parliament, 
And it's um, and to give a, a sort of practical everyday example, um, five councils in Melbourne have uh, made support motions of Julian, and it gradually moves up. Now, last night, the Melbourne City Council, which is quite a hefty mm -hmm. body, uh, made a support declaration, passed a support motion for Julian. Next, it'll be a state government. And mm. then federally, the, the Prime Minister will uh, receive advice that this uh, matter can be solved very simply without scandal uh, mm. by a telephone call. Um, yeah. So the, 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 the Prime Minister, of course, will move when the, the political support is there. He's not a bad chap. Uh, polite and uh, a concerned Australian. Mm -hmm. His performance in the COVID is, well, our performance in Australia is, you know, foremost along with New Zealand in the Western world. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's where I see it going. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully it's going to move a bit quicker than that. I noticed... Um, to a letter which I think you know about that uh, I received from the foreign minister last week in which she told me that she had had conversations with her counterpart, the foreign secretary over in the UK, where she specifically raised Julian's case with him. And she says that's been ongoing for a while now. And I think that happened as, as, uh, as uh, late as April, actually. So um, she also made a pretty what I thought to be a pointed comment in there, she said that the there needs to be due process in both the legal systems in the UK and the legal systems in the US as far as Julian Assange is concerned as an Australian citizen. And uh, we will be making that point clear that we expect the uh, due process to actually occur. Uh, and I thought, mm, I wonder whether that's a little bit of a warning shot that's been fired across the bow to uh, these foreign governments. I hope it is. Uh, it seems to me that uh, Maurice is spot on in that because the entire case, the defence in its entirety is an abuse of process case. So Maurice knows that, you know, well, I assume her advisors know that. And writing that as the last sentence on the letter indicates that there's an expectation in the Foreign Affairs Department that the, uh, that the Crown Prosecuting Service move to fix the abuse of process. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can only be done by, of course, dropping the extradition order. Yeah. Now, let me ask, given that all of these other outfits, The Guardian and uh, uh, The Washington Post or Times, I think it was, and a whole heap of other outfits um, reported on the same issue, that, that the, the same information that Julian Assange through WikiLeaks reported on, and yet they're not in the dock. Why do you think that Julian has been targeted? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's... You know, I, I've got no idea. It's just a curiosity. And the only thing I can think of is that uh, that 
vengeful, nasty Secretary of State, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, an incompetent person who destroyed three countries in a row, the Ukraine, Libya and Yemen, uh, is blames Julian for her losing the uh, election to Donald Trump, who ran a better campaign. Just, mm. That's the only thing I, I can speculate about. Now, this is what I don't get, because I actually share this belief. I share this belief. I, I think that um, you know, having been in politics for almost a decade now, I know that there's the elected officials and then there's actually the people who do all the recommending and uh, the hard yards of government, I guess, and they're in the public service. And they're what um, Donald Trump calls um, the swamp. <laughs> they're what Donald Trump calls the deep state. And, um, I mean, that sounds all conspiratorial, but I think what he's getting at is this people embedded in government who just simply don't shift from administration to administration. And so um, sometimes when an administration comes in, whether it's in America or whether it's in Australia that they don't like, they just say, right, well, I'll just um, sit and bide my time because I'm going to see these guys out and the uh, people I want in are eventually going to get in. They could even go further where they try and stymie certain efforts so that um, things don't happen. And I, and I really, though, I wonder, I wonder because the ferocity against Julian Assange, it was really mute until the Trump administration took over. I mean, it was there. There was people that were bad-mouthing Julian Assange that were saying certain things about it, certainly Hillary Clinton did. But at the point in which she lost that unlosable election, it all began. And it's very, very weird because President Donald Trump actually said glowing things about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks right at the beginning. But yet now there's a complete 180 and we're in the situation we're in. I, I, I can't make sense of that. I really can't well, make sense of it. Well, I could offer this, that Mike Pompeo, who was head of the CIA, yeah. uh, and, and is going to leave Secretary of State and move to the Senate seat in Kansas and from mm. there make a run for Prime Minister, president, uh, sorry, yeah. for President, yeah. uh, would require the support, the complete support of the CIA, what Donald Trump calls the deep state. Mm. So he's uh, getting their support in this process by pursuing, with all the bigger he can mount, uh, Julian. But they've made so many mistakes, scandal after scandal, following Julian's lawyers down the street, Australian lawyers, they're Australian, um, mm. in Brussels, in spying and burglaring the lawyer's office in Madrid, uh, mm. filming and audioing uh, conferences between Julian and his lawyer, in this case, uh, Jen Robinson, an Australian lawyer. Um, mm. So the, their pursuit is very vigorous, but it has uh, polluted the case beyond recognition and the abusive process, so the case can't possibly go ahead under the strictures that Maurice Payne has put in the last sentence of her letter. That mm -hmm. you 
Mm. Well, here's hoping that uh, justice can be seen to. I want to end with a, a quote from your son, and then I'm going to ask uh, a question, a question that I ask all my guests. But uh, this, is, uh, this is the mind of the person we are talking about, a great quote from Julian Assange. He says, every time we witness an injustice and do not act, we train our character to be passive in its presence and thereby eventually lose all ability to defend ourselves and those we love. In a modern economy, it's impossible to seal oneself off from injustice. If we have brains or courage, then we're blessed and called on not to frip these qualities away, standing agape at the ideas of others, winning pissing contests, improving the efficiencies of the neo-corporate state or immersing ourselves in obscuranta, but rather to prove the vigour of our talents against the strongest opponents of love we can find. If we can only live once, then let it be a daring adventure that draws on all our powers. Let it be with similar types whose hearts and heads we may be proud of. Let our grandchildren delight to find the start of our stories in their ears, but the endings all around in their wandering eyes. The whole universe or the structure that perceives it is a worthy opponent, but try as I may, I cannot escape the sound of suffering. Perhaps as an old man, I will take great comfort in pottering around in a lab and gently talking to students in the summer evening and will accept suffering with insouciance. But not now. Men in their prime, if they have convictions, are tasked to act on them. Well, John, you're in your prime, and I'm going to ask you the question I ask a lot of people. If you were Prime Minister for the day, what would be the one decision you would make? I think I know which one it would be, but if you were Prime Minister for the day, what would be the one decision you would make? Oh, dear, oh, dear. I mean, I, I'd have to say, of course, Julian, but, you know, um, and that's my and that's my son and moon at the moment. Well, let me give uh, you two. Let me give you two, because I think we all knew that doing something to release your son would be number one, and that yeah. uh, certainly is something that I respect. I, I, well, uh, I, I, I would uh, act upon the state-forming idea that we began our history at Kokoda, defending the continent of Australia. That's what I would do. Great. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, really, John, I um, hope and pray that Julian is freed and that we do see justice when it comes to the Julian Assange case. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, George. I'll speak again soon, I hope. We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You've been listening to the Conservative One Podcast with George Christensen.